We've, um, we've so much to be thankful for, don't we? I'm reminded, um, I'm reminded I need to spend some more time um, with the Lord just simply thanking Him. It's good to do that, I think, and to do it um, often. Thanks for reminding us, Rebecca and Deb. I appreciate that. And with um, child dedications, especially this morning, one of the things we remember we're thankful for is uh, children. Amen? Speaking of uh, being thankful, um, I'm so thankful to be back home. I, um, many of you, know, of you know I've been in Israel the past two weeks. It's... Um, it's a little surreal standing here when just a few days ago I was standing on the Mount of Olives. Um, man, the world is a small place these days, isn't it? But it's good to be back home and to be back home with you. So uh, from Israel, uh, shalom. Actually, uh, since it's uh, the Sabbath, the proper greeting is Shabbat shalom. So Shabbat shalom. I am... Um, I'm thankful as well this morning for some new friends that uh, I made along the way in Israel. Hey guys, they said they would listen in this morning and uh, they got to know you a little bit and listening to my stories and hearing my heart uh, for things that, and people that uh, I'm thankful for. They, um, I had an unusually uh, large group of Dutch Canadians um, with me on the trip and I know Dutch because I am Dutch. And um, I also know Canadian because I've met Canadians before. But man, you combine Dutch-Canadian and look out! What a great group of people. They wanted me to tell you hi this morning, and so I'm going to do it um, in the Canadian way, something that they greeted with me, uh, greeted me with every morning I was in Israel. Good morning, eh? Or may, they say that all the time, and and uh, and you all you all in the Toronto area you are they're so delightful because they're very concerned of the perception that they say it all the time. So they all came to me one at a time. You know, do we really say you know a, a all the time? I said yes, you do. <laughs> but it's delightful, uh, as I shared with them. There's an openness, uh, an invitation, almost uh, an intimacy. Um, when they uh, put that A on the end. So, Shabbat Shalom, eh? Um, how about you this morning? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for this morning? If I, um, if I asked you to think of, to name your top three things that um, you're thankful for this morning, what would they be? you're married, maybe a husband or a wife, um, a friend, um, Peyton Manning. Um, if, we, um, if we were in a class, I'd ask you to go ahead and write those down. You may if you like, but um, take a few seconds and at least think of, think of the, the three things that you might say if someone said, okay, what are the three things that you're most thankful for? Every year, um, every year around Thanksgiving, Gallup uh, does what they do. They do a poll. 
And they ask Americans to give their top three things that they're thankful for. And did you know that with almost no exception uh, that I could find as I looked back over the years of this poll, uh, the top three things that Americans are most thankful for stay the same. So let's, um, let's see how your list, if you've had time to think of it, uh, compares with those surveyed. Topping the list is something uh, already touched on when mentioning children and husband and wife and the like. Uh, 61% of those surveyed this past year put family uh, in their top three things they're most thankful for. Second place is uh, health. Half of those surveyed uh, listed health. And then rounding out uh, America's top three, at least, um, was a job. Um, that number's even climbed a few percentage points. 21% are most thankful that they have work. The survey showed that uh, older people tended to emphasize health, younger generations tended to emphasize wor uh, work, uh, but they all put uh, family. Most of them uh, had family in that number one spot. How about those three? Family, health, work, uh, might those uh, make your top three? I'll tell you another thing um, I'm thankful for uh, is the Bible. Amen? I um, got to appreciate that again and experience it again in just such a wonderful way uh, in Israel. God's... Um, God's guide for living. And he gives his guide for living just... so graciously that God gives his guide for living in the form of real-life stories. Not a list of do's or don'ts or doctrinal truths. Oh, we can glean those lists. But his idea, we'll say, is the best one since he's God. He graciously puts his guide for living in the real-life stories of his people. And I'm so thankful for that. Can you imagine if we didn't have this? Where would we be without this guide. And so it's with um, <laughs> renewed passion for God and His Word that I invite you this morning uh, to turn in this marvelous guide to a book called Deuteronomy in chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 um, Every time I get back from Israel, I can't help it. Uh, I always come home with uh, Shema, uh, especially deep in my heart again. Um, you might recall Shema. We've talked about it over the years if you've been here any length of time. Uh, if you're new or you can't recall, um, Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, as in uh, listen. But... Um, more than just listen or listen to, Shema, or hear, carries with it action. Just like, um, just like uh, when we tell our kids, um, are you sure you heard me? Or did you hear me? 
When we say that, we're looking more for an acknowledgement that they heard the words. We're expecting, right, that they act uh, in accordance with what they've heard. Eh? Okay, I'll try not to do that the whole sermon. And uh, so maybe, maybe the English, uh, listen up, listen up, um, might be a better uh, translation for Shema than just listen or even hear. There's action in uh, Shema and in that word hear. It's active hearing. And, and the Shema, or the hearing and doing summary in Scripture, is uh, what Jesus calls no less the greatest and most important commandment. And in Luke, even, Jesus says, this uh, hearing and doing that Shema is talking about, well, that's what we need to do even to inherit eternal life, Jesus says. And we find this um, seminal hearing and doing message throughout Scripture, but most clearly summarized perhaps in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. You know, according to Jesus, all the rest of Scripture, every other chapter, every other verse, every other word, all the rest of Scripture hangs on like a coat from a peg that command and the one like it, love others. All of it. You might say that the rest of the Bible is, uh, however, inspired, inspired commentary to those commands, that command to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's that foundational. Like a coat on a peg, there's nothing in Scripture that doesn't somehow relate back to, rely on, uh, bring to light what it means to live a life according to God's listen up, according to Shema. And so, for thousands of years, Jews and Christians have recited Shema, not, not only as a reminder, but also as a way even to recommit themselves, recommit themselves to this great uh, baseline coat peg uh, of all of Scripture, if our relationship to God is, as Scripture pictures it, a marriage, well then Shema is our wedding vow to God. And so this morning I'd, I'd like to invite you to stand again with me, please. If you'd stand, please, and let's, um, let's commit together our time in the Word this morning once again to God. Let's let God hear, let's let God hear our wedding vow. Uh, again to him, those of you who have committed yourself to following Jesus. Now, we've recited uh, before over the years this short form of Shema, but um, this morning um, I want to bring out the longer version from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, I think you're ready for it. So let's, um, let's tell God again our commitment to him this morning. Read with me, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for that. As, um, as I sat uh, early last week uh, in my hotel room one night, um, well, thinking about you and this morning in particular and the child dedications we were having, and there was one line um, in Shema that really stood out, and that's the one where it says, um, impress those commandments that God is giving them today on your children, and in context, uh, these commandments is, um, well, all of Torah. God, uh, in the previous chapter, uh, lists the Ten Commandments, and so certainly a reference to the Ten Commandments, but um, you know the best way to view the Ten Commandments is uh, as a summary um, of all of the guide, of all of the books of the law. They're not the top ten But uh, as summary commandments, all the other 603 commandments uh, that they count in Torah in one way or another relates to one or more of the ten. So the ten is a summary. And Jesus further summarizes those ten. He condenses it down to those two that you see uh, every time you come in the sanctuary, if you still notice them. Jesus' summary of the complete guide of all of Scripture are two things, love God and love others. And um, we're to impress that, God says, on our children. Proverbs 22.6, also clearly echoing Shema when that proverb instructs us to start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That, um, that translation, I know many of you are used to the older translation, train up a child, but uh, the TNIV, um, it really captures the Hebrew uh, a little bit better. It's to start children off in the right direction. Just get them started at least in loving God and loving others. And um, while it um, sounds simple enough, but uh, we all know um, impressing things on kids uh, isn't always simple, is it? Is it ever simple? How? I, how do we start a child off on the right way toward God? That, um, that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, you know, uh, comes to mind. Because if, um, if we try and do it and end up doing it too forcibly with kids, well, we run into and we risk um, rebellion, don't we? And in fact, um, if we push them too hard or too forcibly or too firmly, it uh, can have the counter effect of uh, pushing them further away, at least from a heart's desire um, to want to follow God. Then on the other hand, if um, we don't take it seriously enough, if we do it, you know, too loosely, well, then that child, it it might never even take one step, might not even start uh, on the right way to follow God, let alone have God's commands uh, impressed 
on them. Yeah, parenting is a tricky thing, isn't it? Uh, we need to encourage our kids but, um, and encourage them to follow God, but uh, never exasperate them, as the Apostle Paul warns. And, and of course, as parents, right, as parents, we want to provide everything possibly for our kids because we love them, but then we know, um, well, we don't want to spoil them either. And uh, that can be tricky. And I, so I was reflecting on that again this week. Um, I'm, I'm, is there any more difficult relationship than parent-child? Possibly husband-wife, but uh, in uh, Christ's name or in God, at least um, you've got that one flesh push. And possibly husband and uh, wife is more difficult, but boy... Parent-child, at the very least, has to be a close second, uh, if not a dead heat tie. It's tough. It's tough raising kids in a, a world that is largely in rebellion toward God. I wonder if that's, um, I wonder if that's one of the reasons, um, and I don't doubt uh, that it's one of the reasons um, why God um, in the Bible gives us uh, a picture of Him as our Father. Because uh, he knows that that parent-child relationship uh, is going to be a real challenge. And so he asks us to call him father. And, and as a father, when you read um, his amazing guide, uh, as a father, we, um, we really see God even wrestling with the correct balance with his children of Israel, a family that we're now a part of through Christ Jesus. Even God wrestles with that balance of, okay, firmly, uh, but uh, gentle in parenting his children. That, um, that wrestle of God's, this firmly but uh, gentle uh, parenting model, uh, some theologians call this God's great dilemma. God, because he loves us, of course, wants to give us everything that we'd ever want. And he wants to do it right now because he loves us that much. But he doesn't want to spoil us either. Just like any parent uh, wouldn't want to with their children. That's called God's great dilemma. And oddly enough, um, in the near context of Shema and Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 8, uh, it's one of the clearest places in Scripture where you can see God wrestling with this. In Deuteronomy 8, God urging Israel to be careful, to follow hard after his commands, he says, because he's worried that if they don't, that they'll slowly forget him. And forget him especially, God says, when he gives them good things. God's worried that when he gives his children good things that those good things will entice them and, and pride will grow in his children's hearts and they'll look at the good things that they've been given and somehow out of that pride they'll start to think, hey, look at what I got for myself. Or they'll start to look at those good things as if um, they deserve those good things or they gave themselves those good things with the power of their own hands, as God describes it. And, and they'll forget that it was God who gave it to them. 
Or they'll forget that whatever extraordinary ability that people have, that God gave them that ability. And that's God's great dilemma, wanting to give his children everything they want, but not wanting them to forget him when they have it. Is it telling, do you think, that that thankfulness poll we talked about earlier, do you think it's telling that on that list, only 5% of people include God as one of the top three things they're thankful for? 5%. You know, I see that number and I want, you know, maybe God's concern is warranted about people forgetting him in light of the good things he gives, like even family or health and work. Parenting is hard, but um, the fact that God wrestles with parenting, you know, um, that encourages me, actually. It's like, well, good, I wrestle with it, too. But uh, if God, if the mighty, almighty God of the universe, you know, wrestles with it, uh, maybe it's okay that uh, I'm wrestling with it too. Now, of course, God um, always achieves the perfect balance, you know, between firmly but gentle, between providing but not spoiling. But he, like us, uh, agonizes over it. Uh, you see that even uh, most explicitly perhaps in those um, um, Oh, those uh, uh, challenging to systematic theologian passages where God's changing his mind. Good theology says, well, God never changes, and yet there it is in the text. And what's going on there? He's wrestling with, ah, I want to be firm but gentle with my people. And that balance is hard fought for, even for God in Scripture, so whenever I'm uh, wrestling with my kids or wrestling with my job as, um, as their dad, or I like to think about uh, God wrestling with that too when it comes to, uh, to me. So take heart, parents or anyone who works with children and walks alongside them for a while. That, uh, that parenting uh, um, is indeed a God-sized challenge. The God-sized challenge we have in raising our kids. I, um, I can give you, and I will give you this morning, one main, one main foundational piece of advice that uh, God gives to parents or people working with children. One, one main focus that we should have in trying to carry out God's command that... Um, we start children on the way they should go or that we impress upon them uh, God's commandments. And oddly enough, we see God's advice here uh, in Shema. And it's right before, I think tellingly, right before God tells parents to impress these commandments on your children. The best way to start children off on the way they should go. God says to parents in Shema, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts, moms and dads, and anyone who works with children. 
See, God has to say that first. Because without that, frankly, you've got little or no chance of ever impressing on your children God's commands. So often I think we get caught. I get caught as a parent too, sometimes uh, setting an expectation for my kids. And the expectation I have for my kids is, is what I wish uh, I would meet rather than um, one that I'm striving for or that I've already met. You get caught there sometimes. And kids will smell that out. You know, they're with you, and they see and hear everything. I know, scary. They know you, and the single greatest thing by far that any of us can do to impress on our children God's way is to follow hard after God's way ourselves. Period, exclamation point. If there's one piece of parenting advice, one, that I could give you this morning, is to ask you how your relationship with God is going and how hard do you follow after him with all your heart and your soul and your might? How much of your life and passion is dedicated to loving God and loving others? Do you want to impress on children loving God and loving others? The number one thing you can do is do it yourself because that kind of thing, my friends, is on that long list of things that is caught and not taught. And you find it right there in Shema. First, put it on your hearts. And out of that desire and that constant effort and wrestling, now impress on your children the same. And sure, it's still a, it's no easy task. I know. I, uh, I thought of the phrase um, in connection with parenting this week of uh, herding cats. Have you ever heard of herding cats? can imagine, right? You know, cats are like these little jumpy things, trying to herd a bunch of cats. At least sheep follow. Cats are all over. The other illustration I thought of for parenting is kind of like uh, bumper bowling. Right? You know, when we were kids, they didn't have those bumpers in the bowler, in, in, you know, bowling alley where the ball could go doot, 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 and somehow make its way down the alley. You ever feel like your parenting is you're playing bumper bowling? Your kids are the ball. You know, you're the, we'll stick with herding cats as the illustration this morning. <laughs> and you know, I, sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm just trying to keep my kids in play toward God. You know, firmly, but, uh, but, but gently. And, 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 and on our knees, Jill and I, before God, because you know, we don't know. And it's got to be him. Because we can't do it on our own strength. So plead with him to help us. And you know he always does. And while parenting is difficult, um, you know, very few things in life are more rewarding or satisfying. So keep after it, parents. It could be a lifelong thing, as many of you know. Most difficult things are the most rewarding, aren't they? And I wonder if there's anything more rewarding and so I think it's one of John's letters that says, nothing gives me greater pleasure than to see my children walking with the Lord. Uh, there's a man um, who had kids. 
So hang in there. Keep, um, keep hurting. Keep calling out to God. And above all, follow hard after God yourself. And with his help, um, you'll finally lead that herd of, hat, cats, herd of cats home. Or even bump that bowling ball down the alley, so help you God. I, um, I saw a video uh, that I want to leave you with this morning, this past week. It reminded me a lot of what parenting is like. Uh, see what you think. Great grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half wild short hairs. Well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face, it's it just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's. I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. As uh, parents who come alongside children, I, um, that, uh, if you recognize it, um, it was one of the Super Bowl ads, I think, from a few years back. 1 P.S., and uh, this last piece of advice, um, it's really part of our following hard after God and that, that modeling uh, caught but not taught picture that God gives us. Please, please take the time to share with your children, whether your own or those here in the family of God at West Bowles or any children that God puts in your path to walk alongside of, please share with children the stories of your life, especially the hard ones, and share with them in that story where God was in it all for you, and share with them especially the stories where you're still wrestling with God over it, because as Rebecca sang, we don't have all the answers. I think that is so crucial and so important that we share those stories with our kids. Where I get caught, and maybe you can relate, and I see it happen especially in church and among believers, is we somehow, I don't think we're trying to, but we somehow communicate to our children that you know now that we're all grown up, you know, uh, we kind of got a handle on everything. You know, any of you grown-ups have a handle on everything? You know, if you do, would you see me after the service and tell me where I can find that handle? I know I don't. But somehow we put in the mind of, the, of a kid, and we even communicate that a mature faith is one that doesn't struggle anymore, doesn't struggle with sin, doesn't wrestle with God over stuff, and when we do that, we set our kids up. We set them up for when they wrestle with God or they struggle with sin 
into thinking, oh my goodness, something must be wrong with me. My faith must be immature. Something's wrong with God. Because if it was right, you know, I wouldn't be struggling with this like all the big people in church. So please, won't you, as you're charging hard after God yourself, as you're charging, spend time with your kids talking about that charge and how hard it is to love them with all your all. Tell them, tell teens especially, if it was hard for you, how hard it was to save sex for marriage. That one seems to be particularly taboo for us to want to talk about with our kids, maybe because it comes out from some sense of embarrassment or whatever that we actually struggled with that too. Instead, we just give the quick, well, you know, don't, just wait. It's because what God says, and it's best for you. And, you know, don't even talk about it. Share with your brokenhearted teen what it felt like when that boy broke up with you, moms. Share those stories so they can see that a mature person of faith is not one that has everything all together and has got a handle on it all, but a mature person of faith is one that, yeah, you know, I'm wrestling with that too. Let's wrestle with it together. Boy, do we need God's help in this. We can do it confidently because Jesus has already run the victory, amen, and I'm doing all I can, and it's still hard. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard for us too. My top two. Advices for parents. If you want to impress on your kids, love God, love others, the summary of all the commands. Follow hard, as hard as you can, so help you God and he will after loving God and loving others. And two, share your stories, especially the hard ones, with your kids. And if I had to add a third, pray like crazy. On your knees all the time. Pray that that, um, pray that that great shepherd will help you herd your cats as well, because he will. He'll come running when we ask him for help. Praise God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, thank you for this morning to stand alongside um, these families and um, to not only dedicate ourselves to helping them do everything they can to start their children off in the way they should go. But also reminding us, Father, just um, how important that is uh, with our own kids or any child that we meet to allow them to see and to experience with us our own passion for you and your word. Father, renew in us again Recommit in us again that all out, all our heart, all our soul, all our might love for you. And that all out Christ-like love for others. Father, we love you. I just ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand, please? And for the benediction this morning... You know, I'd like uh, to recite uh, Shema with you again. So let's uh, close the service 
like we opened it, at least in message, with reciting Shema together. Read this with me, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed week, West Bowles. We'll see you next week for God in the Movies. It's going to be fun. We'll do Courageous next week if you want to watch ahead.